Welcome to the Unmasked Life Podcast, a podcast to help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential. And now your host, Matt Manny. Hey, thanks so much for joining me for today's mini-series podcast from six days to Sunday. Today we're going to talk about the death of doubt. If you hear the word doubt and the Easter story, who first comes to mind? I'm hoping you think of that guy with the nickname Doubting Thomas, Doubting Thomas. And so now for 2,000 years, anybody named Thomas is considered a skeptic and a doubter. And so today we're going to talk about how Thomas had some doubts and how Jesus, with what we talked about yesterday, Jesus called Mary's name, but today Jesus calls Thomas to believe. The death of doubt. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wounds in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. John 20, 27. Bird songs are beautiful. For me, the sound of a song sparrow always reminds me of Easter. The sound of a rooster crow reminded me of Peter, of what Jesus said about his denial. But for me, the sparrow connects with an emotion of joy just before Easter, the sound of hope. I'll never forget the moment. I can't tell you all that was happening in my life at the time. Maybe my school was going well. Maybe I got a note from a girl that I kind of had a crush on. Uh, High school is that season of life where your identity is being shaped, and your friends have a profound impact on the shaping of how you view yourself. Maybe it was the Easter dinner at Grandma's after church. I love to eat. Whatever it was, all I knew was that life was good. I felt loved, safe, and wanted by family and friends. I was in my bedroom that morning getting ready for church, and I decided to open the window to let some sunshine in and let the air out of the ode to gym sock smell of my room. I got dressed for Easter Sunday service. I had a new shirt and tie, still minus a fedora, looking like Indiana Jones, I placed one of my favorite CDs in my boombox, pressed play, and stepped toward the window to get a breath of fresh air. I heard the sound, the tweet, 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 cheep, 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 tweet, cheep sound of a bird. That's my best literary attempt at mimicking a sparrow, or for this podcast. The sound is like a cue for me, though. It always puts a smile on my face and immediately transports me back to my childhood home. Right now, uh, I'm even listening to bird sounds on YouTube, and I can hear, I've got a window open, I can hear birds tripping outside. My kids are so utterly confused. Is there a bird in the house? Is there a window open? What are those birds coming, bird sounds coming from? Confusing my kids makes me smile too. Mary's hope is restored by just hearing Jesus say her name, as we talked about in the previous devotional. The disciples wonder when Jesus will show himself to them just as he showed up to speak with Mary. Sunday evening, the disciples will get the visit they are hoping for. The doors are shut and locked, but Jesus doesn't need a key or even need to knock. He simply appears. The disciples are afraid. Jesus says to them, peace, be still. As in, relax, guys. It's just me. Don't go running for the door. Jesus tells them it's him. He speaks to them as a friend would speak to comfort another friend who's in mourning, who's grieving. He speaks to them as a mentor would to his protege. He encourages them as a coach would, encourages players to get back in the game. The only problem was one of the players was missing. Not all the disciples were there that night. Sure, Judas was gone, 
But Thomas was also missing in action. Beyond the doubter, Thomas, throughout his illustrious career as a disciple, earned the infamous nickname Doubting Thomas. He was the cynic of the bunch. Whether it was family, business, or simply that he didn't want to be around the others, he wasn't there that night to see Jesus. The disciples that were there to see Thomas later and tell him what he missed out on, he says, I don't believe it. I just can't bring myself to believe it, Thomas says in John 20, 24 to 25. And Thomas is like you and me. He needed to see it for himself with his own eyes. He couldn't take somebody else's word. Maybe he was hurt because he trusted Jesus and he felt betrayed by Jesus and the others. Maybe his doubts and cynicism kept him from following early on. But once he was convinced that Jesus was worth following, he was all in. He didn't do anything halfway or half-hearted. He measured twice and cut once. He wasn't the one to get suckered into a get-rich-quick sales pitch. He knew better, that is, until Jesus came along. You might be like Thomas. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, we're just not going to even go there. Thomas gives an ultimatum. He needs physical proof. Until I can see the nail prints and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. Thomas wasn't just a seeing is believing kind of guy. He was seeing and feeling and smelling and sticking my hand where no one would want to stick their hand kind of guy to believe. But Jesus works with Thomas where he's at. Jesus works with us where we're at. All Mary needed to believe again was to hear her name. What Thomas needed to believe again was to hold Jesus' hands. He was that kind of guy. And we need that sometimes just to hold a hand. Our girls are still working through the, I can't sleep without a parental unit watching over me so I can float off into slumberland and keep them from floating off into slumberland kind of stage. And sometimes I'm busy and I can't take the time, but more and more though, I'm realizing I need to make the time. Our youngest, Macy, she'll come find me and ask to lay next to me and she has this little routine where she'll snuggle close to my side, pull my arm around her, and then spend a few minutes trying to figure out how exactly she wants to hold my hand. The best for her tiny hand, what it can do is to grab a tight hold of my index finger and my middle finger, and it's just enough to calm her and keep her asleep, help her to get to sleep. She just needs a hand to hold. And Thomas got that. Thomas was tough. On the exterior, he was an intellectual, a thinker. But at his core, he was a scared little kid who needed to know, who needed to see, who needed a, a hand to hold. But aren't we all like that? You can tell me you love me. You can maybe even say it another way. You can show it another way. You can promise to help me. You can remind me of past times that you love me. But if you want to convince me right here, right now, though, you need to let me hold your hand. Jesus does that for Thomas, the burden of proof. A week passes. The disciples have gathered together in the upper room again. This time, Thomas is with them. And just like last time, Jesus appears. Jesus greeted them again as he did before. Calm down, guys. It's all good. I'm here. Then my favorite part happens. Jesus turns to Thomas. Thomas, put your fingers here. Jesus' hands, the rough and calloused hands of a craftsman, guide Thomas' fingers to the scarred flesh on his wrist. Thomas, feel my side here. Jesus pulls Thomas close and pulls aside his robe for Thomas to feel the scar on Jesus' side. Thomas, you struggle to believe. You've always struggled to believe. And people have let you down. I know they have. You thought I let you down as well. I, I know you did. You only believe in things and people that you can count on. You only go with a sure bet. 
You only count on me. I am a sure bet, though. I am standing in front of you. What more evidence do you need to trust me, to believe in me? Stop fighting in your head with what you know in your heart is to be true. I am here. Thomas responds, my Lord, my God. The scarred imprints from the nails were the cue for Thomas to believe. It wasn't a book. It wasn't a concept that changed his mind. Thomas had a real life encounter with Jesus. What about you? What about me? What do we need when we struggle to believe that it's not over? Does Jesus have more for you than what you see? Jesus knew this was going to happen. He goes on to tell Thomas, you have believed because you've seen. Far greater favor is in store those for those who believe and trust in me because they haven't yet seen me. Did you catch that? Thomas had the payoff of what his mind longed for, irrefutable proof of life. And Jesus clues us into something that we don't often stop to think about, the burden of belief. Thomas put the burden of proof on Jesus, but Jesus puts the burden of belief on Thomas. Jesus, you have to prove to me that he's alive, is what Thomas told the disciples. But Jesus put the burden of belief on Thomas. Thomas stopped doubting and believe. Thomas was responsible to respond. This is the burden of belief. You may wonder and wish for a sign from heaven. You may pray and beg and ask God for proof that he's real. If he doesn't come through on your request, you are going to take your business elsewhere, as if God was a restaurateur looking for customers. His response is, I've given you every proof you need to believe. The ball is in your court. The burden of belief is on you. And if you're willing, if you can forego a physical encounter with Christ, you are further favored than Thomas. Thomas' confidence blossomed at that moment. Tradition says that he went on to take the message of Jesus beyond the Roman Empire. He was eventually killed in the region of India. As tradition holds, he was stabbed in the side with a spear or a sword, an apt end to the one who came to believe because of the scar in Jesus' side. We may think it's hard to believe there's hope beyond our hurt, but Thomas experienced a love so powerful in that moment with Jesus that he committed the rest of his life to telling people about what he saw and who he followed. He was so committed, he was willing to die for what he believed. The doubter became a deliverer of the greatest message ever told. All it took was the touch of a scar to take him back to the moment he believed. Just as my little birds chirping take me back to a moment when all was right in my world, what do you need to be the cue that takes you back to when you first found and followed Jesus? I think I'm going to put a bird feeder in my backyard. I'm turning into my grandfather. But life goes on. But life goes on well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast for this mini-series. If you enjoyed this devotional, I would love for you to go ahead and leave a rating and review and also subscribe to the podcast as well. Share this with a friend that would find some encouragement, especially if they are a skeptic and a doubter. This would be a great encouragement for them. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the Unmasked Life Podcast. Join us next time for more great content that will help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential.